Welcome to the She Wore Black podcast. I'm Agatha Andrews. Today, I've invited author Julia Bartz to talk about her debut thriller, The Writing Retreat. The book is unsettling, yet immensely entertaining, as you follow a selected group of writers at a retreat in the haunted house of their favorite horror author. Julia's book was selected for February's Book of the Month, but you can also order it from my online bookshop, which helps both the podcast as well as independent bookstores nationwide. That's at bookshop.org slash shop slash she wore black. You can also help out the show by following me on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and leaving me a review wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for joining me today. Now on to the show. Well, hi, Julia. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Hi, Agatha. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. Well, I am. Uh, I have quite a few people that are curious about what this is because it popped up on their book of the month selections and they were like, what is this? And so that is very exciting. I've had other guests before that have been on book of the month, but you're the first one I've had like in real time where it's happened. You know, I usually interviewed them before it happened. Um, so how's this process been for you? How's the, the book of the month announcement and everything been going? It's been great. I mean, I, I, I'm still kind of stunned by the whole thing and it all feels very surreal, but very exciting. And I've had a lot of people reaching out and yeah, it feels really good to, to be in touch with people and to see people, you know, sending pictures with the box and the book, like that just feels great. Everyone I know that's on book of the month has, has used this as their pick. So that must be very, very exciting. I, th- I expect good things. Cause that also, it had, you know, it's an early release for anyone who subscribes. So, you know, word of mouth will help spread before your book even comes out. My, my box is on the way. Oh, <laughs> so for people that don't already know what the writing retreat is about, can you let them know what they're in for? Absolutely. So the writing retreat is about a young woman named Alex, who has pretty much given up on her dreams of becoming a published author when she receives the once in a lifetime opportunity to attend a writing retreat at the home of her favorite author, the esteemed horror novelist, Rosa Vallow. Um, Even the news that Alex's ex-best friend, Ren, is going to be there doesn't dampen her enthusiasm. However, when Alex arrives, she finds out that not only is this going to be a retreat, it's also going to be a contest. Rosa is asking everyone to write an entire novel from scratch during the month of the retreat, and her favorite one is going to receive a $1 million book deal. Alex buckles down and starts working on her new book, but soon notices that there are very strange things happening around Rosa Vallow's mansion. When one of the other attendees goes missing, Alex has to figure out just what is happening at this writing retreat, or she might go missing too. You have these characters all fall in love with the work of this writer at like 12 years old, when they're theoretically way too young to be reading her work, uh, to be reading Rosa's books, but that's really common. Not only do I hear a lot of writers 
or fanatical readers talk about, well, I, I was reading Stephen King and Anne Rice, or if they're reading romance like Julie Garwood or, um, you know, Daphne du Maurier or whatever at, at like 12 years old. But those are the things that also stay with them and continue to inspire them and continue to move them forward in their own endeavors as writers. Um, but I also know a lot of readers who just, you know, they picked up a romance at 11 or 12 years old, or they picked up a, a really scary horror novel at that age. And they just, it's, that's what they pick for the rest of their lives. They find their thing, you know, and I, I wasn't sure if you were thinking about that or if the, it felt like you were even writing this from experience. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I think that is so fascinating how we can be so affected um, by the works that we're reading and interested in at that young age. And um, for me, uh, one example of that, probably the biggest example that I can think of is when I was around that age, I randomly picked up a book by Natalie Goldberg. Mm. So she primarily writes books about writing. So she wrote Writing Down the Bones, um, so I had just kind of randomly, I was with my mom at like a cafe or something and I, I picked up one of her books and reading her, I was completely transported. So I was, you know, <laughs> living in the suburbs of Wisconsin outside of Milwaukee and just, you know, pretty angsty already at that age and, and not loving everything about my life. And reading Natalie's books, like she writes, they're about writing, but they're also kind of memoirs about her life and how she lives her life. And she was this just amazing um, queer Zen Buddhist woman who was advocating just like living life to the fullest. And um, she also really advocated free writing. So I think that at that age, that's when I started really getting into my writing practice, like in a pretty extreme way, you know, free writing every day. And yeah, it absolutely helped me become the writer that I am today. And I actually did have the chance to meet her many years later. I was um, running the literary blog Bookstalker and I interviewed her um, maybe in my late 20s or early 30s. And it was, you know, I was just like, I couldn't believe that I was going to speak with this woman who had kind of taken up residence in my brain as this mentor figure for many years. And it was a little bit anticlimactic. Um, she was incredibly friendly, but she was super casual. I think she was like, <laughs> saying, uh, so it was great to talk to her, but you know, it was clear that she was meeting me for the first time, obviously. And we were able to connect, but um, it just made me think about how um, interesting and kind of strange that can be like connecting with authors from such a young age and to the point where you feel like you really know them. Yeah, there's um when I was going to library conferences and stuff, we would talk about like authors are our rock stars because the every conference was full. I mean, authors everywhere, you know, you'd go to a panel and there'd be like 10 of them and you're like overwhelmed going, what do I do? <laughs> like, Where do I look? <laughs> this sort yeah. of thing. But we also got some one-on-one -on -one time. Um, but I I love that you talk about this too, because I also, as a bookseller, we'd get in the library and we'd get authors in the stores all the time. And it was just nice to see them as just regular people. You know, we have this image we build up in our mind of of who they are. And like, you're being interviewed now. You're going to be somebody's person. <laughs> I know. It's so funny to think about that. And I... I think it, it really makes sense because we are being invited into the author's mind. We're reading, you know, their words are 
really taking us into their into their brains, into their their conscious and their unconscious. So it, I think it does feel like this very intimate connection. And um, at the same time, you're totally right. Authors are just people like they don't necessarily think about people doing that with their works. Um, but it's also an honor, I think, too, for authors to be able to connect with people in that way. Well, getting back to what you were reading at that age, and you mentioned that you were doing like regular writing practice. Well, I know your sister is also a writer. Is this something, I mean, were y'all like the Brontes? Were you writing together? What was that like? What was 12 and 13 year old Bart's life like? It's so funny. Yeah, we definitely were both writing. We did some projects together. We, um, I remember we wrote like a James Bond script that was probably nice. like 10 or 15 pages long. We wrote this like, ghost series starring a ghost named ghosty I mean that was that was kind of earlier on when we were kids um but yeah I think we always really loved reading writing and my mom actually was a volunteer librarian at our grade school and um she also would take us I think weekly to our public library we would always have like a big um, basket of books that we would constantly be reading so I think our mom really encouraged that and even with regards to the content, um, I think you'll like this because you were a librarian. Uh, there was one point, my sister and I went to a Christian grade school, and there was one point where the library banned um, all of the like horror books, R.L. Stein, Christopher Pike, I think Harry Potter was out at that, at that time, if I'm not mistaken, any books having to do with witches or sorcerers. And my mom just brought them all back to our house. So they became part of our library. Oh, wow. Wow. You got lucky. And it's a shame that yeah. that's actually a problem nationwide right now, mm -hmm. uh, which the, I've done an entire episode about that before. Um, yeah. But that's amazing how that impacted you in a completely different way. So I love that your mom did that for you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I feel very lucky that um, she always encouraged us to read whatever we wanted. There was never any restrictions. And yeah, again, I think that helped both Andy and I uh, maybe move into this writing space that we're both in, writing psychological thrillers. Do you do you want to share with our readers or listeners too, while we've got you, like a, a little bit about your sister and her works too? Might as well. Yeah, absolutely. She is an incredible writer. Um, she is publishing her fourth book this summer. So it's called The Spare Room. It's great. Yeah, I think if people like the writing retreat, I think they would also probably enjoy her work. I think we have a lot of um, similarities, a lot of crossover. And her last book, We Were Never Here, um, was actually a Reese's book club pick. So it became a New York Times bestseller. And that was so awesome to see her, you know. Y'all are both so fancy. <laughs> <laughs> Congratulations to both of you. This is such yeah. a big deal. Very nice. Well, see, this is what happens when your parents nurture, right? Yeah, for sure. Well, I know you were just talking about your sister, but this book deals a lot with female friendships, something that I think is starting to get more notice over the last decade, whether it's Bridesmaids or again, Rachel Harrison. Um, and there's several books, of course, in YA, but adult literature is, is really dealing with this um, in new and interesting ways. That's what I really like. Um, and your book does it here too. I mean, it's very honest about what it feels like when you have a friend breakup, because that hurts emotionally as much as a romantic breakup does. Like you, you didn't shy away from the reality of that. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I've heard from a lot of people, um, a lot of women, that that felt very real to them and something that they have been through themselves. And I think a lot of us, you know, as um, girls had these really intense close friendships growing up. And then also, I think especially in your 20s, that can also happen when you're kind of going out into your own and um, connecting with people who are maybe going through similar experiences. Mm-hmm. And I have been through multiple friend breakups. Yeah. Extremely painful. And I don't think that society always acknowledges that and maybe puts more of um, a focus on romantic relationships and breakups. Um, I mean, I, I will say that I went, I don't want to spoil anything, but. Well, no, we don't need to put spoilers in, but I just love the idea of, of, of the pure honesty that you, you dealt with in this story regarding how that feels. Totally. Yeah. And I, I will say that um, I also was was going through a lot of growth and changes during the writing of this book that made me kind of look back on some of those female friendships differently. And again, I think I've heard from some other people that they have also felt that way or, or looked back on on those relationships in, in maybe a different way. But ultimately, I, I really wanted to center that that bond. And again, how how painful and upsetting it can be to to move away um, from those relationships, even if they are, you know, for example, the 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 friendship between um, Alex and Ren, one could call them quite codependent. <laughs> you know, there's some <laughs> issues in their in their relationship, amongst other issues. But um, yeah, it's it's painful. So let's talk about Rose of Allo. I pictured in my brain, I don't know what you pictured, but I pictured this cross between like Stephanie Meyer and DC Andrews. <laughs> um, you know, she's this beautiful person with a lot of mystique. She ensnares people into her world. She lives in this big spooky house like Anne Rice did. And she really was like the lead character in her own mind, but in her own mind, she's also the lead character of everybody else's mind. <laughs> so I just, you know, and the reason why I said Stephanie Meyer is because I went to a reading and I took students, several students to a reading here in Austin um, or an appearance with her where they could get their books signed and everything. And she had this glorious long bouncy wonder woman hair that she would swoosh back behind her shoulders and um but she wouldn't look at the children she wouldn't personalize the books she only would sign her name and so the kids felt very like I don't know what to do you know and I felt like the women in this book had that same feeling like I don't know what to do I don't know where to look I don't know what to say um you know because like when the kids were at that Stephanie Meyer event that this was their moment right their moment to connect with somebody that really meant a lot to them and these women here are trying to do the same thing with Rosa Fallow and they're just like I don't know what to do because we have limits and restrictions and there's a code and I don't know what the code is, you know? <laughs> so that's why those things came to my mind. What were you thinking about with this, you know, with this character who's larger than life? Yeah. Well, I, I just have to say, I love that story. Um, that's so funny and a little sad, you know, a little bit. Um, but that, I think that happens being disappointed by, again, this hero that you've formed in your mind or realizing that, you know, they're just human, or maybe she yeah. has these really strong boundaries in place. It sounds like, um, 
but it was yeah it was very it was very fun to write rosa because yeah she makes her own rules and she has certain boundaries and in other ways she doesn't have any boundaries at all and um she is very intimidating and i i think the inspiration came from a lot of places um and I'll, I'll name a couple, but at the same time, um, I part of the reason that I wrote this book was really to explore my shadow parts. And for anyone who doesn't know, those are the parts of ourselves that we uh, repress, usually when we're young. And for women and girls, um, a lot of those parts have to do with anger, aggression, sexuality. And if we do experience those feelings, it can bring a lot of shame later on. So I wanted to really focus on a character who feels no shame and who fully embraces it all. (laughs) (laughs) She is just living her life the way that she wants to and doing what she wants and is very successful at it too and is able to, you know, she has the privilege and the wealth behind her. Um, So it was, yeah, it was, uh, you know, such a fun experience to just be in her head and to kind of throw off all those constraints that I think we as women often feel. Um, And then another aspect of her was um, like the mentor who can help you create your greatest work, but also potentially destroy you in the process. Um, Silence of the Lambs is one of my favorite movies. So that that kind of um, relationship between Hannibal Lecter and um Clarice was at the top of my mind Whiplash was another movie where that came up and yeah I guess I'm just talking about movies and tv shows but Killing Eve was fine yeah it's whatever it's all culture totally yeah Killing Eve was another one where um the relationship between the two like main female characters was was interesting and and Villanelle and you know being a very proud and out psychopath basically um was also an inspiration yeah I felt like you really tapped into a very interesting detail of our psyche there you know being able to know what it would feel like to be the person on the other end of that you know on the other end of someone who has this many boundaries but you know they're in her space and they were invited into her space so it it builds the dread in a really interesting way you know, because it's not like an inn or a hotel, you know, that they're going to do this retreat. It's someone's personal space. And mm-hmm. so I just love that added element of dread, especially when she's very clear very early on that there are very specific rules on how what she expects you to say and look like and, and how to act and everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, from the first dinner, she starts kind of psychologically toying with everyone. <laughs> and, you know, really, I think I, I also wanted to explore this idea of, like, who are we when we're out of our elements? And I've actually never been on an official writing retreat, but I have been on other retreats like yoga and meditation retreats. And some of them I went on alone, not knowing anyone and kind of just being plunked down in in a different place amongst all these people that I've never met before. Like it's very destabilizing. And there's this immediate sense of like, where am I? Who are my allies? Who are not my allies? Like who can I trust? Um, And it almost feels like going back to like a camp situation as a kid. Yes, I was literally thinking, oh, it's like camp. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Um, 
And then also a piece of it too, is that I really wanted to do a haunted house story because mm -hmm. I love those so much. Um, some of my favorites are Rebecca, um, Haunting of Hill House, um, Tanana Reeve Dews, The Good House, I think is incredible. So I also wanted to kind of pay homage to that and to have Blackbriar Estates be this very creepy um, and, you know, haunted in, in a way uh, lo locale for them. There's so many things that you do in here that I want to talk about, and I could probably keep you for hours, but um, I will narrow it down to a few more talking points here because I really want to get into the story descriptions. Okay. For one, I feel like the writing retreat shoots for the fences, you know, when it goes to bat, I feel like, I mean, cause you just mentioned haunted house. There's also, like I said, some murders, people disappearing. Um, there's also just basic slow Gothic things at the same time that it's so compelling. You cannot stop yourself from reading the next page. I'm like, she's really shooting for the fences here. <laughs> but what I love is that you know, if you don't mind me saying as bonkers as some of the things in this story are, I love how bonkers Rosa's stories are. You have summaries of the things that she writes. And all I can think is like, I want to read that. <laughs> are those stories anywhere? Will we see them? Right. I know. I, I would love to read those books too. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I like think, that, Yeah. I think that for me, it was almost like this character exercise because I almost, I also come up with um, story ideas for the other writers. So part of it was like, what would this person write about or be interested in, in writing about? Um, what are kind of the, the themes that are on their mind? And so I think with Rosa, I did have to go back and, and, uh, you know, say like, this isn't quite out there enough. I think I have to go back and push it a little bit more. Um, but yeah, it was, it was really fun to come up with this. I feel like no wonder they were like sucked into her books from the like 12 years old. If I was a 12 year old coming across the stories in here, uh, that, that, or that were described as the sort of thing that she was writing. I'm like, I want to read that now. Of course, as a 12 year old, I don't know what it would do to me <laughs> because it, and those are the things that reminded me of VC Andrews. They were yeah. very vc andrews and flavor her stories was yeah. that an inspiration you know what i have to admit that i haven't read the vc andrews books and i think it was because it was like those books were definitely not in the school library <laughs> ever yeah, i guess if harry potter's not there vc andrews isn't there either <laughs> yeah. and i think there was it was almost like oh i don't know if i can handle this or how can i you know how I have to get this without my mom seeing me. And I just never kind of figured it out, never, never got to it. And then time just went on. But yeah, she was definitely an inspiration. I love the podcast Teen Creeps. I don't know if you've, yeah, a fantastic. They basically go back and reread um, like pulpy teen books from the 90s, 80s, 90s and beyond. And so I have listened to their episodes on VC Andrews books. And they're so fun to listen to because they're so so bonkers well that's what I was gonna say it felt exactly like what you would read like a pulp gothic or a pulp horror from the 70s or 80s and you know Grady Hendrix was just on and he did paperbacks from hell and I mean I want to read all of those bananas books um that we missed <laughs> maybe because we were too young or for some people not alive yet um but I was like she really nailed down what a pulp gothic would sound like from that era and I just loved that. 
like I I did of course read all of those R.L. Stein and Christopher Pike books which I think were a little bit after that time mm-hmm. kind of probably based on that yeah and a bit updated um I don't know what are some of the titles that come well to mind? like that's Barbara Michaels and she was a big gothic romance writer um so was like Victoria Holt she's got those great women running from houses kind of covers uh with a dash of color in there um you know just it just really felt like some of those bananas I have one back in in my on these romance shelves the ones those behind me are the romance ones um and there's one in there where uh, like a woman has a romance with a demon from hell and he she just goes down there with him and it's kind of like per se you know persephone and hades but she likes it down there so she's like they just hang out and have sex you know <laughs> but it's a romance i don't and not just a, it's not just an erotica it's a proper ro- it's just bananas the stuff they came up with but i'm like they they shot for the fences on those you know <laughs> it's incredible and yeah i think you know, nowadays, I don't know if that right would in that at least in that form, right? Uh, I mean, obviously, my book has has some similar things going on there, but even that, I think people are a little bit shocked and and horrified. Not everyone loves it, so. <laughs> Well, but that definitely felt authentic to Rosa. I guess that's why I honed in on it because that's her time period when she was writing all of these things. She was starting at a nine as a nineteen-year-old writer, so that would be like early eighties for her. Um, mm-hmm. And I was like, "That's the perfect time." And she nailed down what those descriptions were like. I was so into it. <laughs> that part of it. Oh, okay. Last episode just about that. I would definitely listen to it. Oh, yes. Yes. Um, um, Grady Hendrix will be coming back on in the summer to talk about all of these pulps with me. So stay tuned. <laughs> so I am like, I have to, I have to talk about these with someone and he totally is into it. So um, that's coming. So you have pages, not just from there, but from the pages that the women are writing. Um, and again, I don't want to give spoilers, so I'm not going to get specific, but I really loved your use of that as a narrative device. So do you want to talk about that a little bit? Sure. So um, Alex decides to, I think it's okay if I share a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I want you to share what you want. I don't want to be this, you know what I mean? <laughs> I don't want to be held responsible. <laughs> totally. Thank you. Yeah. Alex decides to write a novel based on the history of Rosavallo's mansion. And um, basically the backstory is that there is um, uh, this woman who marries this uh, wealthy man, moves into his mansion. Um, she is becomes a spiritualist and starts uh, meeting with a few other women and channeling writing and art through spirits. Um, and that in itself was based loosely on this artist, this real life artist, Hilma Off Clint, who is the true um, creator of abstract art. She was like pre Kandinsky. And only now is her name starting to get out there a little bit more. But I saw her exhibit at the Guggenheim a few years ago, and I was just so stunned by these beautiful works that she made. And um, she had written and journaled about how she was channeling spirits. And at one point, one of the spirits wanted to send this great commission through her. And the other women in her spiritualist group um, told her not to. They thought that she would go mad but she decided she would do it. And she ended up making this, this beautiful art. Um, so in, in the book, what happens with um, 
the characters Daphne and her husband Horace is that um, we're it's kind of a mystery what happens but murder there were murders and dead, dead bodies but no one knows exactly what what happened um, so Alex is writing the story based on it and kind of trying to figure out like what what might have happened and I wanted to do a couple things with using excerpts from her work in progress including showing how writing is does feel like channeling in a sense like I think that's something that people who are not writers might find kind of strange but it often does feel like you're just channeling like these scenes and these visuals and these characters and sometimes the characters will do something that you weren't expecting and that feels very eerie but cool um I also wanted to show how Alex was kind of affected um when she was being affected by things going on in the house that was also affecting her work. Um, for example, there's a betrayal that happens in in the book that she's writing after she is betrayed by someone else in real life. And also, I, I just thought, you know, it was a good opportunity to more deeply explore some of the themes that come up around writing and um, channeling relationships and betrayal. I think the book that... Um, most inspired that was Misery by Stephen King. I was going to ask, I don't like to presume. So I was going to ask, I just really like how that helped move the story forward in a totally different way than a standard narrative. I just really loved that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Yeah. And there's points towards the end where things are getting completely out of control, where Alex's story starts intruding into reality. So I also wanted to explore that so I don't want to give spoilers again I like to keep that ball in your court as far as like what we talk about but I think one of the things that people aren't going to always expect um is that I think they'll go into it thinking oh well, this is a thriller or a suspense but they're not maybe going to be ready for the fact that there's also some I I would say erotic horror in here and erotic horror is something I've covered on my show plenty of times so my audience you know I I do live in both worlds of romance and horror so of course that's a perfect topic for me but um I really I I've looked through other reviews and I thought it was interesting to see how people reacted to that element and I just want to know what what was going on because it's not unusual I mean if you look at even like Anne Rice that sort of thing has been around for a long time um but I do always think it's interesting whenever it's mainstreamed because we talk a lot about erotic horror on the show but those tend to be more like indie presses do you want to speak to that especially you know being a book of the month pick but having these dark sexual things happening in here that are used to propel the fear mm -hmm. absolutely yeah that's such a great such a great question um i again i i was writing when I was writing this book, um, I didn't know what was going to happen with it. And this is actually the third novel that I've written. So the first two books I wrote, um, but they were not published. And actually when I was uh, kind of sitting with the idea for this book, I wasn't sure if I was going to move forward with it because like writing a book is <laughs> a lot of work and there's really no guarantee that anything will happen with it. So when I was writing this book, I I decided to write it mainly for myself and to really push myself 
to explore the darkest corners of my psyche. And I think um, beyond those ideas of shadow parts having to do with anger and aggression, um, sexuality is something that particularly for women is so policed. I mean, you know, we could talk yes. about that, for, right? Um, and that was something that I really wanted to explore in the book. And so I let myself explore it. And I wanted to do so in a way that um, pushed the envelope a little bit, but also made sense for the characters and, you know, move the plot forward. I didn't want it to be gratuitous. I wanted it to right. really have a place in the story. Um, but I just kind of went where the story took me. And um, I, I feel really lucky that I was able to connect with an agent and editor who just fully embraced it. And, um, you know, I, I imagined um, that there could be a scenario in which I would be asked to tone things down. And luckily, neither of them wanted that. So that was very cool. And um, I think that the people who are connecting with it understand that it is a really integral part of the story. And it's not, um, you know, not really coming from nowhere, but it's it has to do with this underlying sense of these primal feelings that we have um, and the connections and um, disconnections that, you know, that can lead to in our relationships. No, I'm glad that I'm glad that you have the support that you needed, because regardless of whatever people's opinions are on it, it is something worth exploring, especially when when women are writing it, because it is part of our psyche. It is also part of our lives. Like there's very few mainstream writers that get to explore it as much as you have here, with the exception of maybe someone like Anne Rice. So it's nice that you have the support in Big Pub the way that indie pubs tend to support you know, women writing these things. So I just really appreciate that. Yeah, no, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> well, given how publishing works, uh, you have this big, this baby that's been brought into the world in a big way. Right. But we always know that that's, this is like what happened. This is, this was a work from a year ago that usually by now you've got something in the pipeline. Am I right? Yes, you are correct. Are you allowed to say anything about it right now? Um, I can say a little bit about it. Sure. Um, yeah, I'm very excited about it. I'm I'm pretty deep into my next book. And I think if people like the writing retreat, it has, you know, kind of similar vibes. I think that they'll enjoy this one too. Um, and I'll say that uh, some of the themes that I'm exploring are belief systems and the ways that our sense of reality is is kind of dependent on the people around us. Oh, well, that sounds exciting. And something like your, you know, that's going to work well in your hands. You know, this was such a fun ride. It was really, really compelling. Um, and, you know, I just can't wait to see what people's reactions are to this. So Thanks. congratulations on again on the book of the month. And uh, for anybody listening, the book goes on sale um, on the 21st. So thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thank you so much, Agatha. This was so much fun. Thanks for joining me today on She Wore Black. If you like what you heard and want to support my work on the show, you can visit my website at sheworeblackpodcast.com for links to my coffee shop, donation site, as well as my online bookshop. 
You can also help out the show by rating me on Apple and following me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, and letting your friends know about the show. Thanks so much for joining me today, and happy rating. Thank you.